Hello and welcome to the Inside Ellen Road podcast. This is episode 92. This is a podcast from the Yorkshire Evening Post newspaper. I'm Graham Smith, Chief Football Writer, and I'm joined by Joe Arkett, one of our Leeds United journalists, to talk about all things Leeds United as the Premier League season is now underway in earnest. Leeds United uh, followed up their 4-3 defeat at Liverpool and their 4-3 win over Fulham with a 1-0 win at Sheffield United on Saturday. An empty Bramall Lane saw Leeds leave it late and win it with a late goal from Patrick Bamford, his third in three games in the, uh, in the Premier League so far. Um, Joe, overall feelings about that, that Yorkshire derby? Firstly, how much of a derby game does it feel like to you? What, what does the rivalry mean to you, the Sheffield United one? Um, I guess the fans of a certain age would would probably view it differently. Um, as a younger Legion United fan, I, I don't I don't feel because obviously I wasn't really around for the title winning moment at Bramall Lane or what was to be the title winning moment at, at, at Bramall Lane. Um, I guess the only sort of real run-ins that Legion United have had um, with proper real run-ins with with Sheffield United are over the last sort of. 24 months really so um, I guess it had a little bit of edge because of the, the recent clashes between and, and Chris Wilder's comments about Leeds United last season after they picked um, the Whites to promotion so I don't I don't know I don't feel it it's obviously Yorkshire Derby it's probably one of the more prominent ones um, as you usually feel with the Sheffield teams but um, I don't know there's, I don't feel a massive um, amount of hatred to our South Yorkshire Kin, I guess. Cousins. Um, yeah, I just, I just, I just ask because it, I don't know. It just, it just, I don't. It doesn't feel to me like there's a lot of niggle there. I know that there was that kind of that nonsense around the uh, those Muppets from Leeds comment when Wilder was absolutely off his face and did that interview, um, and uh, and it obviously annoyed him a little bit. But there'd been some chatter from 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 the likes of Patrick Bamford in, in the lead-up to Sheffield United going up automatically and Leeds ended up in the playoffs in Bielsa's first season. But it, when I think about kind of my understanding of football rivalries before I took this job, I never really considered Leeds and Sheffield United to be particularly bitter rivals. Um, so, But there wasn't really any niggle in the game, you know, that would denote it as a as a rivalry. The, the only thing that I noted in my, in my match report was... Matthias Click absolutely leathering the ball at uh, Baldock, I think it was, who was waiting to take a throw, <laughs> wanted the ball delivered back into his hands, and Click uh, just welted it at him. That was it. I think um, for a game like that, I think that's where you miss the crowd. I think um, having a crowd in there would probably would have added a little bit of niggle. I think there would have probably, you know, like a couple of challenges, maybe some flare ups, things like that, that you usually expect when. Um, players are feeding off the adrenaline of, of crowds that are sat 20 yards away from the, the touchline or whatever. Maybe that's where the um, the game lacked a little bit of edge. But yeah, I, I probably I would tend to agree. There might be fans out there that that disagree with it, but I don't particularly see it as a as a huge rivalry. I don't see it as a huge derby. It's a Yorkshire derby, absolutely, but it's not. You know, I think when Leeds fans are asked about who they think their rivals are, you, you always look across the Pennines rather than to South Yorkshire. Um, Rochdale. <laughs> to Rochdale, yeah. Rochdale, Bury, Alden. 
Rochdale got one over Leeds in the FA Cup, didn't they? Anyway, um, but yeah, so I don't think, um, you know, it's it's a Yorkshire derby. It's one of the better Yorkshire derbies, you'd say, but it's not, um, I wouldn't say it's a massive, huge rivalry. Um, just a little bit of added incentive after after what happened off the pitch last year, like you just mentioned with the Wilder comments. But I suppose it's only in reverse. It's only a little bit like the Stuart Dallas and, and Liam Cooper video that surfaced um, of Brentford minding the gap at the end of last season, you know, and fast forward 18 months and I suppose it's a similar, you know, and if Leeds were to take on Brentford in the Premier League or et cetera, et cetera, then I suppose that would be a little bit of, of added incentive there. But I don't, yeah, um, I don't view it as a huge one. It was a great game. Um, really, really good game. Really enjoyable first half. Very enjoyable second half. Lots of good football on display. Sheffield United played some good stuff. Um, Leeds with a back three looked pretty comfortable. It has to be said. I mean that they were cut open once or twice, and um, Le Chat came to the uh, came to the fore. Ilan Melier with um, just a, a couple of sublime saves. Uh, I mean his first one from Lundstrom. I was already typing the the G and the O and the A of goal as Lundstrom hit that because it's one of those situations where you just assume that a goal is going to be scored. Um, it's going back from where it came from. It's well hit first time and he's, what, eight yards out? Well, the guy who does the sound effects for BT Sport had pressed the goal celebration crowd noise when Lundstrom hit it. So that tells you everything about what you need to know. I think everyone... Thought as soon as that ball went went through to him, he had the whole goal to aim at. You know, all he had to do was sort of pick a side, and and Melio produced a fantastic save. Probably his best game in a lead shirt. In fact, no, definitely his best game in a lead shirt since he joined, really, and since he took over as as number one. He'd been pretty well protected in the uh, in the run in when he took over from Casilla because of the racism ban last season. But there weren't many times I recall that he was exposed and had to make saves like that. And while he was beaten seven times already this season, you know, from a variety of different scenarios and penalties and crosses into the box that weren't particularly well dealt with by defenders, um, this is the first time I really remember him having to make that kind of contribution. And it's really reassuring to see that he's got that shot-stopping ability in his locker as well as commanding his box pretty well, being confident for crosses and distributing the ball so brilliantly with his feet. Um, I think it just ticked another box and, and maybe just eases any remaining nerves Leeds fans would have about that position. Yeah, he, he played he played fairly well in the under-23s as well. Similar sort of circumstances where he maybe wasn't asked as many questions as, as you'd like to see, you know, how, how his overall ability was at that stage. But you could see the, the ability he had with his feet and he saved, must have been four or five penalties as well. Um, which I know sometimes is is a look at the draw, but you have to have something about you, don't you, to to do that. So I think also people maybe forget that he had played a, a season of, of, of first team football in France, albeit the second division. But he'd um, he had had that experience as well. So I know he's young, and and goalkeepers tend to get better with age and experience. But he looks at what five million, like a real snip when you when you look about. You know, you, if you even if you just on Saturday you look at the opposite end and you look at Ramsdale and he got eighteen million from from Bournemouth. Okay, he has a bit more experience at first team level, but 
for five million, he looks like a real steal. He's going to have, I'm sure, like any any career will have his ups and downs, but he, he's made a stunning start. And to get his clean sheet, he was obviously delighted and rightly so. It just highlights again the inflated price of uh, domestic players, you know, and and it makes you wonder why, because and why, you know, Brighton were probably going to be looking at. 30 million plus if they were going to be tempted into selling him and yet Leeds went and got uh, Urente, Diego Urente, and Robin Koch from uh, from top flight football on the continent and they paid well, less than what they would have paid for Ben White to get both of those players in look at Melia is another great example you know when you compare that with the price of Ramsey like you just said um and we'll we'll go on to talk about him later, but Mikel Cuisance, you know, at maybe 20 million. You think if that's an, an English player who's that highly rated, you know, what on earth is he going to go for um, in, in terms of price? And it just, it just, I don't know whether it hinders the development of English talent because clubs are overpricing young domestic players and, and then clubs like Leeds have to go and buy foreign imports and bring them over, um, which means, you know, less game time, I suppose, for, for young English talent. Maybe, I don't know. I've not really thought this argument through, but just there seems to be a massive disparity between the price of players on these shores and players elsewhere who, I mean, let's face it, Ben White was a very, very good footballer, extremely talented, very exciting prospect, but he hasn't got the experience that both of Leeds two new centre-backs have. Yeah, and you look at the price that he was going for, and like you say, or the price that Brighton were demanding, and like you just said, he'd not kicked a ball in the Premier League before, and Leeds have gone out and got two internationals for the same price, if not slightly less. So you do wonder, and you do, when you start thinking about it a little bit more beneath the surface, you then understand why, if Leeds started the transfer window thinking that they were going to try and sort of cherry-pick the best of the Championship, why very quickly they change tact because especially in the current climate where you need to make sure that what you're spending is is correct and what you're spending is is the right amount of money then you can afford and and everything else that that comes with the struggles that that clubs are facing at the moment um in the top flight and and lower down with the lack of fans um and everything else that getting value for money is absolutely what Leeds United have done this summer um okay they've nearly spent what they'll have spent over 80 million upwards of nearly getting towards 100 million if they do any more business after after today so you do you do then start to understand why Victor Orta etc have started looking abroad because like you say if you take Michael Cuisance um for example like you you mentioned a bit earlier looking at like an English equivalent if you were going to someone like Man U, Chelsea, Arsenal someone who's played a bit of a role in the training, clearly is very highly rated, but hasn't quite had that impact at first team level and wants to leave. What would you pay for a player domestically for that that type of player that they're getting there? Probably going to be 40 plus million, isn't it? And you're getting him at 20 million, all right, there's the, the strong possibility it's going to be a buyback clause, but it just it just makes it's an absolute no-brainer for Leeds United to, to go elsewhere and, and spend that sort of money on a player with his ability. And then you look at Ollie Watkins, for example, who's, what, nearly 30 million. Rodrigo, a little bit less with add-ons. 
just uh, an interesting dynamic that is, I think you're absolutely right in saying it's going to hinder development here, but it's the way the market's gone and it's, it doesn't look like it's stopping. No. Um, here's a question for you. How much is uh, Stuart Dallas worth, particularly after that performance at, at Bramble Lane on Saturday? Because his his performance in midfield, I mean, questions have been asked over him when it comes to midfield. We, we know he says himself it's not his best position. He probably sees that as, as right back or left back or right wing um, in one of his several positions that he's played. But he was superb. I mean, he was everywhere. His touch map was comprehensive. You know, the only place they didn't really have to go was where Luke Ayling was. And um, and he just, he got leads up the pitch. You know, he's got this knack now of, of running the ball at pace, out of defence, playing one-touch football to link up with others. Really clever little moves. Uh, there was that run that he made when Ayling had the ball. This diagonal run. He set off from about halfway, made a diagonal run. Ayling played a ball that, that the blade should have cut out, but it did reach Dallas. And suddenly he's, he's one-on-one with Ramsdale. He was absolutely superb. And given that he can play so many positions, he's unbelievably important to Leeds United in the Premier League. And and yet, you know, a player like that at his age, you know, he's probably going to cost a fraction of what some of the players that are being sold this, uh, this summer are going for. It's funny the way the market works because, you know, you've got to take into consideration age and how much football he's got left. But Stuart Dallas looks looks like he's getting better all the time. He does, yeah. And you just you just I was I almost jokingly replied when you said how much is he worth? Saying priceless. But actually, it's not a joke because under Bielsa, that type of player is so vital to to what he wants to do, the versatility that he has, the ability that he's now displayed. And the training that he's had since Bielsa has arrived, um, I don't think Leeds could go out and get a player ready to do what he does for, I don't know, uh, anything that they could afford. Uh, I honestly don't think, and, and it's almost invaluable the amount of time that Biel- Bielsa's had to nurture him into that role, that it just becomes second nature. And... Obviously, everyone in football has their price, but to Bielsa and his coaching and this Leeds United team, he is almost priceless of the job that he did on Saturday, or Sunday, sorry. It's, I don't know if I've made my point clearly clearly there, but it's his, his, he is one of the most important cogs in the Bielsa machine, and I don't think you could go out and get someone who could just immediately do what he does. No. Um, Patrick Bamford's another one. What was he? Seven million from Borough when they bought him, and what a snip that looks to be. Um, last season, lots of question marks over his efficiency and the chances he missed. Um, and whilst it has to be said, he is a streaky striker. Last year, I think twelve of his goals came in short bursts. You know, at like four and six or six and eight, that kind of thing. And then he would go stretches without scoring. Um, this season, he's got three and three. In the top flight, his confidence, I think, was shown most clearly by what he said after the game. You know, I said to Jack Harrison, I'm going to be between the middle centre half and the, the far one, put it there. Jack Harrison puts it there, whips that cross in and Bamford gets on it, sticks a nose on it and redirects it across goal. Um, he just looks like he's having fun. And 
and, and what I wonder, maybe this is unfair, but, but maybe I wonder, is the lack of crowd for some players giving them more freedom? Or is it simply just that he's, he's in form, he's confident, he's hit the ground running, and, uh, and that early goal against Liverpool has, has done him the world of good? It's an interesting thought. I know I thought about it a little bit after the Fulham game. Um, and I noticed, I think Stephen Warnock was on Sky the other day talking about Bamford in, in particular, saying that he thinks he benefited from playing behind closed doors because there's not enough, you know, there's no, there's not pressure there. There's no immediate feedback. And I suppose the issue mainly is that you'd probably need a longer case study, which we'll probably end up getting with the way things are going. Um, and to be honest, you'd probably have to ask him how he feels about, about that. But I think it's probably unfair at this stage to say outright that he's benefited from the lack of crowd, but there is probably something there to be, on a wider scale to be delved into across football. Um, I think it's only natural. I think uh, an easy uh, example would be penalties. The penalty shootouts that we've seen in, in the cup games have been, in Leeds United in particular, have gone to like 14, 15. And you do wonder whether that's because it is just like a training exercise when they walk up. There's no immediate feedback from fans. There's no real pressure of 30,000, 20,000, 10,000 even people standing there screaming at you to miss a penalty. So there has to be some benefit of playing without a crowd, especially away from home. There's absolutely no doubt. But I think the case study for Bamford in particular um, would probably need a bit of a prolonged period. But it is an interesting idea and it's one to watch, I think. But having said that, his, his goals this season have been clinical and that's exactly what um, we've we've wanted from him since he joined the club. He's very streaky, like you mentioned, um, and but hopefully, you know, he's on he's on board scoring every game at the moment. So hopefully, he does that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we should mention as well that Bamford has often said that it's not the fans at Elland Road that kind of got his goat. It was the ones behind computers and, and mobiles and um, tablets who were sniping at him that he was responding to when he covered his ears after scoring against Millwall, I think it was, last year. Um, he always felt that the, the, the fans in the ground were the ones that were backing him. Um, but, yeah, I just I just wonder if players are a bit more relaxed, and, and particularly in big, big games, if there's a bit less tension. Because the only people yelling at them are their teammates, who are more often than not yelling encouragement or instruction. And Bielsa, who's m- most of the time just simply yelling, very good, Patrick. Again, um, unless you're Tyler Roberts, in which case it's move, Tyler, move. Um, I've noticed that that is a theme that he is almost constantly on Roberts to move more because it, maybe it's that Roberts not doing as much movement or the correct movement. I'm not quite sure, but but it's a theme that he seems to be a player that Bielsa feels he needs to constantly remind to be on the move. Um, at the risk of making this a, a four-hour podcast, we'll just briefly touch on Roberts. I don't think, I really don't think we've seen the performance we saw against Hull from Roberts since lockdown. You know, we were told that during lockdown he'd come back flying and was impressed in tra- pressing and training, looking really good. But he also has said that he made some important performances since lockdown. I-, I just don't think we've seen anywhere close to the best of him because we know that he's capable of really hurting teams. Um, he doesn't seem to be able to do the link-up play that Hernandez does, and, and not many can but he's not hurting teams in the way that we know 
he can as a, an individual with his skill set. And when he went off on Saturday, when Rodrigo came on, Leeds looked an awful lot more dynamic. Rodrigo got involved so much more. He had nearly twice the number of touches that, that Roberts did. And he got himself around the pitch. He popped up in unusual places. His movement was good. Sheffield United find it difficult to track him. And then when the ball was pinged into him and he had his back to goal, one touch, bang, it's out to Harrison. And then the cross comes in and Leeds United are winning 1-0. Um, if, if you were going to base a decision on who plays against Manchester City on that game alone, you'd have to say that Rodrigo has got the starting place for this weekend. Yeah, not to sort of create an echo chamber, but I don't think there's much that you said there that I don't agree with. I think it's just that he's shown flashes and he's just maybe not produced the consistency um, that that Bielsa wants from him. It is easy to forget as well that he arrived as a as a striker um, from West Brom and that perhaps he's still trying to get to grips with with making that number 10 role or the Hernandez role as we... Um, like to sort of say, because it's <laughs> how many moving parts and Bielsa's um, team are there. Not, not everyone always has this that, that one that one role, but yeah, it's it's been a bit. I think a bit underwhelming um, since since Hull, and I, I guess he had confidence from that. He's had injuries as well, um, so it's hard to sort of get too down about him at the moment. It's just a bit. This is a chance for him again to sort of take it by the scruff of the neck with Hernandez um, sidelined and. Yeah, just a bit disappointing, I think, um, overall at the weekend. But it's not to say he can't do it. It's just maybe that he's he's still getting scripts for that role. He's shown flashes, like you say. He was he was really good. I think it was Blackburn last year. He was really, really good where he played that ball sort of through the defence and Alien won a penalty. And he was, I think it was that game, unless I've just completely made it up. But that's the sort of things that you want to see more consistently from him. Those little passes that open up a defence those moments of genius that Hernandez brings. And it, as much as it isn't unfair to compare anyone to Pablo, because Pablo is his own man, his own quality, you still need some of that spark at some point and you can't wait forever. Um, but on the flip side, it's difficult to get too hard on him because he's, he's had these injuries. So it's a balancing act, I guess. And, and Bielsa clearly likes him, clearly likes what he's seen. Just need to try and produce it on a match day um, consistently, I think. Uh, Marcelo Bielsa felt it was a just result. Chris Wilder felt it was absolutely not. He disagreed and felt that Sheffield United deserved the win on the basis that they had by far the better chances, he said. I tweeted at full time because my, my instinct was that Leeds deserved the win because I felt in the second half Leeds really came on strong. It looked to me like Leeds were taking more control as the game went on and Sheffield United had less control and that Leeds United just seemed to be running harder and faster with the ball. Um, coming forward a bit more, now, Sheffield United had their moments in the second half, absolutely. Um, and they did look more of a force when they replaced the front two because I think the front two really tired. But it just felt to me like that, that goal was coming. Like I did feel like it was a deserved result. Um, Wilder absolutely entitled to his view. And of course, Melia did make a couple of saves. But, but where Wilder maybe let himself down a bit was where he said, he didn't feel like Ramsdale had had all that much to do. Ramsdale was a very busy keeper. It leads had more shots on target than Sheffield United did. And yes, some of them were from distance and some of them were comfortable. But he made some good stops too and was very, very involved. Um, just a great game all round. I honestly, I don't think it would have been unfair if Sheffield United had won it 1-0. He could probably have said that was deserved on the basis of the fact that they created good chances and cut leads open a couple of times. 
equally, I don't think it's unfair to say Leeds United deserved it because they created two. Um, Bamford had a header that probably should have done better with in the first half from, a, I think it was another Harrison cross. Dallas goes past the keeper and just can't roll it into the empty net. So chances for both teams. Um, really good game, really enjoyable. Another really enjoyable, entertaining game, even if it didn't have the goals that the first two games had. Just finally on that game, really, really like the look of Sander Berger for Sheffield United. We kind of tipped him as the key man before the game. Um, I also predicted a, a, a single goal win. Just like to mention that uh, in the YEP last week. Uh, uh, <laughs> Sander Berger, though, really good, like really hard to shift. I love players that are really hard to shift off the ball when they're running with it because they get their body position right because they're strong and balanced and they always seem to just keep going um, and stride out of tackles and glide past players. Um, if there was a player in that Sheffield United team, if worse came to worse than Sheffield United, you know, suddenly needed to cash in. That's the player I think I'd want Leeds United to go for to watch every week because um, very, very good passer and very, very easy on the eye when he's running with the ball. Yeah, he looked very good. He was the one that was sort of really driving them on from midfield and creating a lot as well. So um, I know a lot of uh, Sheffield United fans really rate him really, really, really highly. So he's, um, I think he's probably destined for a lot more um, in his career. Um, just as we're podcasting, a friend, uh, Fabrizio Romano, has tweeted that Mikel Cuisance joins Leeds on a permanent deal. Medicals completed, contract signed until June 2025, turned down a bid from another EPL club. Um, somebody mentioned to me, a French journalist mentioned to me, that there were two Premier League clubs other than Leeds looking at the player and that uh, Newcastle was one of them. Um, Steve Bruce or Marcelo Bielsa? Mm. <laughs> yeah, but um, anyway, we'll soon see if he's correct. He's usually very on the money and it's been moving this way, that deal. Um, since yesterday, really, everyone's felt very confident, I think, that it would go through. I think it was only the buyback that was being discussed uh, and that I think personal terms were never really going to be an issue because he, he wants the move. Um, let's talk about him now then. Mikel Cuisance, French, 21, playing for Bayern Munich or not playing as much as he'd like for Bayern Munich, hence the move. Uh, very, very good left foot, we're told. Obviously thinks very, very highly of himself, um, which might be a concern were it not for the environment he's coming into and the head coach that he'll be working for. I almost feel like at this stage, Marcelo Bielsa, his reputation and what we know about him is enough to calm the nerves when it comes to almost any signing. I feel like um, if Leeds were really concerned about any off-field issues, this is a deal that just wouldn't happen. You look at the way that Bielsa operates, the way that Leeds do their research from not only on the pitch, but to how players conduct themselves in their everyday life, what they do on their off days, stuff like that. And you even, as an example, just this summer, <laughs> were obviously led to believe that Said Ben-Rama posting a video on social media basically put his scouting profile in a bin. So you do wonder how much the, that concern would really, is, or is, if it's much of a concern to Leeds United and whether they think, you know, it, it's there is much of an issue there. You do always wonder because you hear stories about players when they're leaving clubs. You always hear the worst stories, don't you? So 
don't know, maybe there's a little bit and Bob's at play. Obviously, there's never any smoke without fire, all that stuff. But it's, I think, I think Leeds will have done their due diligence, and I don't think they'll be going for anyone who they think would come into this group because we've seen them. They've been on holiday together. They're very close knit. That's the environment that they've created. That's the environment that's going to be and make them successful this season. I don't think they'd do anything, regardless of who you are, that would upset that um, sort of dynamic. Yeah, they've got such a strong dressing room culture, and um, Bielsa touched on it last week when he asked him about Cooper and what kind of leader he was, and he said he's very fair. The way he treats one person is the way he treats another. There's no kind of favouritism from the captain, and he's a similar leader to Ailing and Dallas, and that the senior players in the group have established this culture that I guess Bielsa probably doesn't really need to interfere with, because they keep young lads in check. I have heard a couple of stories of young lads who's maybe a couple of little showy, kind of cringy bits of behaviour when they got a, a new deal or um, went and spent a bit of money on something and, and were very quickly drawn back into line. And, and not, not, in a, not in a slap down kind of a way, but just this is not really, this is not really us. We don't really do that. And you certainly don't do that because you know, you're not established yet. Um, and I also think there's almost a natural humbling when players come in, when they realise the demands that are, that, that are set and the requirements and the standards that they have to meet in order to play in the first team. That it would be very difficult to come in to Leeds and demand to walk into the team when you can be shown a video of what Dallas did, his work that he got through, or the work that Jamie Shackleton gets through in, in Murder Ball and that kind of thing. Um, and when you have young lads like Robbie Gops that hold Bielsa's affection, and so much so that he hasn't managed to get himself out on loan yet, um, I think it almost naturally shows the the order of things at Leeds, and that, that you know this is if you want to play, you've got to be like this. This is the way you've got to behave. This is the way you've got to train. This is the way you've got to act. This is the way you've got to eat. Um, but it's an exciting exciting one. This I think he, he, he's so highly rated and he does seem to have a profile that suggests he could play as an eight alongside click or instead of click or he could possibly even play the 10 role um he might even be able to play the six i'm not sure if he's as robust as calvin phillips when it comes to the physicality but very good passer of the ball we're told and he can go around people very good at taking them on so um interesting looking forward to seeing this one I think of all the transfers, Rodrigo was obviously exciting because it's a Spanish international. But for me, he, he didn't look like... He's not as exciting as a player who comes in and you think this guy's going to get 30 goals. But this one for me is the one that I'm perhaps most intrigued by, just to see how talented this 21-year-old is um, and maybe get an insight into why why there's a buyback and maybe even why Bayern agreed to sell him, you know, is he, is he good enough to demand game time that, that then leads to a move away from Bayern? Yeah, he's excited. He's, I think you've just touched on it there that they wanted someone to come in and be versatile. So he'll be able to play a number of positions. And when you talk about a 21-year-old who's been in that environment of Bayern Munich winning the Champions League just like literally six weeks ago, etc., then... Um, you know, that can only be a good thing. <laughs> Obviously, we saw the the pictures of uh, him and Lewandowski apparently having a bit of a tiff-taff in, in training. Obviously, they moved quickly on social media to, to clear that up. But 
he's been in that environment where it's it's a winning culture and things like that. So I guess when you go into that sort of similar environment at Leeds, they'll be used to that. When you talk about the culture that's been set, Leeds, you know, have spent money this summer. Everyone's that come in and has their price tag. But essentially with Bielsa, when you get to the gates of Thorpe Park, you leave all of that behind and you're based on the merit of what you do that week in training, what you do, how you conduct yourself. It doesn't matter if you're Rodrigo, it doesn't matter if you're Grisons, it doesn't matter if you're Cock or Lloriente, as we've been told it's a Y um, sounding thing. Um, but it doesn't matter who you are, you've got to earn your place in that squad, in that team, in the murder ball sessions. We've seen it with players that they've they signed in the championship, people like Izzy Brown, who came from Chelsea and, and couldn't produce it on the training pitch to to force his way into the team. So regardless of who you are, you're gonna to have to earn your place. So um another one who's very exciting. Um haven't seen him too much due to the fact that he's not played in a lot of minutes at Bayern, obviously very highly regarded at Gladbach. But It'll be interesting to see how he fits into the team and where Bielsa thinks he, he can get the best out of him. I think the intriguing part is that Rodrigo comes at a level where he's probably at his peak, whereas um, Cuisance comes at a level where you think he's so highly rated that coming under a coach at this age, you look at what he's done with a lot of this squad, he could make him a world-class footballer you don't know how it's going to go. So I think that's probably the most intriguing aspect of working with someone like Bielsa at the age of 21. He needs to use that to his advantage because that could be the thing that really propels his career now. Yeah. Um, maybe just needs a bit of patience as well, but maybe expectations don't seem to be that high just yet. Although it's hard, it's hard to keep expectation in, in check at any time. Um, I think, also was trying to take expectation off for sure, uh, just as an aside, when he was basically saying this process is going to be a long one, he needs to play four or five, 23 games before he'll be back with us. So basically, stop asking about for sure and let him recover, I think was the message. Um, tell me what you think of uh, Joffe, young Gellard in the 23s, because from what I've seen, he looks like a player who's ready to play men's football now, whether he's ready to play Premier League men's football, I don't know. But he looks like he could batter some defenders in men's competitive football. I've been really impressed with um, with what I've seen, albeit it's been three games. But um, And there is an element of sometimes it's difficult to judge 23s. Um, but given that they've jumped up into Category 1 status, Leeds are now playing the best academy sides in the country and you can only judge people on what they're playing in front of. And he's he's looked at times head and shoulders above those around him. Um, he's obviously scored a, a great goal against Wolves. He got a great assist for Sam Greenwood um, on Monday against Sunderland. And he just ha- seems to have this knack of just gliding past people um, without sort of making it look like he's made much of an effort. He's he obviously very raw. He's come from Wigan where he's played a little bit in the Championship. Um, I think I agree with you in that he's he's ready for a jump up into to men's football, but he's not, I don't think he'll, he'll get that in the Premier League and it would be far too soon to just chuck him into a Premier League. But it wouldn't surprise me, for example, if we started seeing him maybe on the bench, not immediately, but six, seven months down the line towards the end of the season, that kind of thing, as he slowly develops. 
the way that it sounds like he's training a lot with the first team. So that's going to help. And maybe that's the best thing for him that we've seen a lot with the youngsters under Bielsa's stewardship is that it's going to be good for him to develop behind closed doors for a little bit. Usually under 23s to sort of try and develop in match minutes, but maybe grow up a little bit in terms of taking on the likes of Pablo Hernandez, looking at what he does every day, seeing how he works, et cetera, et cetera. So a very exciting talent without trying to pile too much pressure on on a kid who's just arrived from Wigan. But everything that we were told from sort of the Wigan side about him being, you know, a real talent, he's got his head screwed on, et cetera, et cetera. I've had all of that backed up so far from what I've seen. England's great hope, Gellard. <laughs> Um, there's the headline that's the headline <laughs> just get that in now and then what we'll do is we'll clip it and then in five years time when he's playing for England scoring goals then uh, we'll play it we'll look like visionaries Joe um, Bryce Hosanna's gone out on loan Bradford City in League 2 uh, a real softening of the stance when it comes to loans and the, the squad in the, big, the bigger squad in general and the youngsters uh, good move I like it. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a good move for him to go and get some some league football. He's obviously had injury issues, which have, have probably held his his development back a little bit in terms of where he maybe thought he might be um, at this stage of his Leeds United career when he arrived from from Palace. He's always shown that little bit um, of talent that he's he's got. He's just maybe struggled. He's he's got pace um, to burn. And he's, he's quite skillful. And as much as we've just talked about the under-23s there not being maybe the best place to judge players, he, he's he's very good at 1v1 defending. And him and Cody Drami have really impressed in that regard um, because, as we know with Bielsa's system, at times defenders get left exposed um, one-on-one down the flanks. So he's been he's been very good in that regard. But at 21, um, probably needs to go and get some some football league experience and I think going to Bradford's a, a very good move for him to, to try and do that. I'm a big fan of, of uh, players going into the football league and learning a little bit of what, what it's about. They almost learn, they learn firstly that results matter, you know, that, that results in these games that you're going to play for your loan club have serious consequences. You know, the players' uh, mortgages, you know, and, and family uh, well-being is almost on the line when you play in League Two and League One because relegation can really, really hit a club hard financially, and 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 I think it just helps players grow up a little bit. And and whilst you don't want to pile on pressure and and make it feel like the weight of the world's on their shoulders when they play, it's just good for them to know that you should give absolutely everything for a win. And, and maybe they do that at Leeds in the 23s already. I don't know, but. It just adds a little real-world context, helps them grow up, um, and they're away from the apron strings a little bit, um, which I think, which I think will be good for them. So for some, it doesn't work. <clears throat> for some, like Ben White, it works an absolute treat. And um, and while some of these players might not come back to Leeds and play in the Premier League, they might be able to prove to the, to themselves and to other clubs um, that they've got a future in the football league at the very least. So um be interested to watch how they get on. Looks like Gotts is still being considered for a loan move. There's been a few in and out for him whilst this kind of wait has gone on. I wonder if, if Cuisant's coming in means that Bielsa will be happier to let Gotts go out. Um, we know he absolutely loves Robbie Gotts, but he just hasn't had the game time to almost 
show that love. Uh, and I think Matthias Bogus will probably go out. Someone said there's a Spanish club looking at him uh, for loan. So we'll see what happens there. Leif Davis, I would expect uh, to stay if Barry Douglas leaves the club. But if, if Barry Douglas stays, then I think Leif Davis might go out on loan. I think there's definitely interest in him for a loan move. Douglas is an interesting one, isn't it? Because Bielsa said last week, if he stays, he'll have a part to play. And just because he's not being used right now for the first team, doesn't mean he won't be useful this season. Talked about his preparation and his professionalism and his attitude. Barry Douglas is at an age, though, where you think that he's going to want to play first-team football. He's already been through the heartache of getting promoted as a championship winner to the Premier League and then um, being surplus to requirements. So it would be a blow for him to have to leave Leeds. But I, I just think he's a good player who needs to be playing first-team football regularly. And he struggled with injuries. It's, um, it's easy to overlook that, I guess, um, since he arrived. But he has really struggled um, with a number of injuries that have, have not been like sort of major, but have kept him out for a month or six weeks here and there. And, and it really disrupts your, your preparation under... Bielsa to not be consistently playing these murder ball sessions and things like that because you're always he always feels like he's always been sort of trying to regain fitness and then would mm. and then I mean and then and then you throw into the fact that Stuart Dallas has, has turned in the form of his life and was basically playing the best football of his career ahead of him. Yeah, it's a difficult situation to be in. So it's an interesting one to keep an eye on over the next week um, before the, the deadline closes. It's just a shame that it's not quite worked out for him so far at, at Leeds United. Whether if he stays, then Leeds have a, a good left back there, absolutely. But it's hard at this moment in time, as long as Stuart Ellis is fit, to see anyone else playing that, that role. Uh, briefly then, the new maroon kit. It's not red, Joe. It's maroon. Uh, what do you reckon? It's maroon. It is. I don't, I don't really know what else to say. No, it's, it's a kit. Uh, and there will, there, there will be people losing their minds. It's a third kit. It's not going to feature that often. It'll, it's going to sell a lot, isn't it? There will My, be young folk all over Leeds wearing it as they, as they go out. <laughs> or, or locked in because of... Or, or, um, or not go out. <laughs> no, I, I, think, uh, I think third kits are an invention of the modern football game, aren't they? I think they are very much part of the whole brand awareness and um, appealing to a different audience or different type of fan. It's definitely not for the traditionalists. Um, it's definitely not for those who hold the club colours close to their, their hearts. So it is what it is and it's part of being a Premier League club, I think. Um, the grey and pink caused a bit of issue last year but actually turned out to be one of the most successful kits ever. All right, that was the actual away kit. Um, but... Yeah, I just think it's it's part of the whole package of modern football now that um, the teams release third kits and they are more of a sort of manufacturing tool in terms of the brand awareness than than anything else. Yeah, that, I have to pick you up on that. It was not grey. It was charcoal, uh, charcoal and uh, pink. It was definitely grey. How was it? Last season. Listen, Joe. I'm just I'm just going by what was hammered home to me when I made the mistake of calling it grey in the offices of Elland Road. Um, I think beyond the signing of Mikel Cuisance, 
uh, Leeds will potentially still try and do a winger. They they had narrowed their search down to only a couple of names for the last two slots in the squad, and um, there's still talk of Dan James. I almost think Manchester United possibly need to get one in before they la- let that happen. Um, I think it's probably at the Man United end where the kind of the delay has come on this one. Um, interesting to me that the, the Kent thing went very quiet. I'd like to ask Victor Order once the window's done, what happened to that interest? You know, was it just we see him as, as a player that we like if we could get him at this price, but nothing more? Or was there something they saw that elsewhere that thought, well, actually, we can get better? Or was there something Kent has done? You know, he hasn't gone on holiday and had a video edited like uh, like others we've seen this summer that cost themselves a place at, at Elland Road. But Kent's been on fire. And I know he's, I know, I know that people will be screaming at their Alexas right now. It's a pub league, but <laughs> but he's, he is on fire, playing consistently, popping up in unusual positions, coming in off the flank, you know, beating players, passing it through defences, scoring goals. So it's absolutely right that he stays at Glasgow Rangers. It is a pub league, though. So. <laughs> That's been episode 92 of the Inside Ellen Road podcast. Very quickly, Joe, we should probably mention the fact that Leeds United are playing Manchester City this weekend. The <laughs> small, small matter of Bielsa versus Pep Guardiola. Um, Dominic Matteo, our columnist, believes this is a good time to play them. He says it's a good time to try and get at them. He thinks that, uh, that defensively they're not at their best, Man City, and that they're in a bit of a rebuild. I worry that, that they're angry. They're like an angry bear or an angry tiger that you know somebody has stepped on them while they've been asleep. Leicester was putting five past them. Um, it's so hard to predict this one, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not convinced that it's a good time to ever play Manchester City. Um <laughs> given the quality they have, they just have so many players that have such talent that can crop up and do something. I mean, you look at some of the goals they scored. Yes, defensively, they've struggled. They've just signed uh, a shiny new defender, haven't they, from, from Benfica. So it'll be interesting to see how they, they set up. But yeah, I think Pep might be uh, having him in for triple sessions this week, I imagine. Um, but yeah, Bielsa v Pep is probably uh, the most interesting dynamic of it. And similarly to, to what... Um, they did Anfield. They're, it won't be a surprise, but Leeds aren't going to just try and sit in and, and and soak up the pressure. They're going to go toe-to-toe with them. So it could be another good game. Um, just have to see what happens, I guess. A bit worrying. Yeah. They, did, they did get pumped last week, in it? Like, let's be honest. When you're looking at that, you're looking at that, I wasn't watching the game, but I was getting notifications through and you're going, oh, no, <laughs> they're going to be really angry. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah, there'll be talk of free hits and no expectations and all that. But Leeds United have proved by playing against a better team than Manchester City that they can get at teams and hurt them. Um, they will need to be every bit as clinical as they've been so far this this season. That will not. They can't. They can't let that slip in this game if they want to. If they want to win it, um, I could see them getting a draw. Leeds personally, um, but it will take a phenomenal performance to do it. Very interesting game. Lots of little side plots. Uh, unleash Paveda. You watch Paveda spank one in from 25 yards into the top corner. Do you think um, Bielsa buys into that whole football idea that 
players come back to haunt previous teams. Do you think he, he thinks that's a thing? No, I think he would say something like, uh, if this was true, then it would be the case that, and then he would reel off a list of 35 <laughs> players who played for his team against their old teams, but never scored or played well. Um, love what he said about Rodrigo last week when he was asked about, what does it mean to you that all these players keep saying Bielsa was a big factor? And he said, I don't, <laughs> I don't believe a word of it. These new players we've signed are all liars. Um, <laughs> because we tried to sign Rodrigo at other clubs and we couldn't get him. So uh, absolutely love that. The man is a, uh, a very, very interesting character. And we will hear from him tomorrow ahead of Manchester City. My prediction is a score draw this weekend at Elland Road. Joe's prediction? 3-2 to Leeds United. Why not? Let's just oh. let's just go balls out. Come on. <laughs> you, you wouldn't dare. You just wouldn't dare, would you? Predict a defeat. Um, <laughs> that's, this has been episode 92. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back um, sometime soon.